0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry.
1: So I'm going to introduce to you in just a second here, Jelana Laufer. And I think friend of friends, and I started looking through our mutual friends. Like, we have 37 mutual friends. What? And that was really fun to see, like, how many I knew from Hello Hollywood, Hello, and Bluebells, but also theater friends of mine here in Seattle. So that was really fun to look through. So before I even let you talk, I'm going to run this for a second here because I want to just, uh, your bio, like you said, this isn't even a fraction of what is on your website, but this is just your face, Facebook uh bio but gerda at disneyland california and you're in frozen which every girl every oh my gosh the thing of going to disneyland seeing the princesses but frozen must be probably the most uh, beloved actor singer sag and after that's amazing and you were in sunset boulevard
0: Mm -hmm. you worked
1: in best little whore house goes public which i don't know if i know the difference between that you were in Will Rogers Follies and then we have to get to that story. You worked at the Lido de Paris in both Paris and in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Here's the one that makes me like get chilled a little bit. You were in Chicago as Heniac. Yeah. At, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think every dancer that's like the dream job. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels first national tour, the producers first national tour. Oh, I just lost you for a second here. Wait, your bio. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot on here and that you grew up in, uh, Las Vegas and went to Reno high school because like we were both in hello Hollywood, just a few years apart from each other, but the overlap is so fun, but your career that is still going and we do have to get to this by the end because I want to put this little thing out there, make sure we don't that we come back to it is that you're in the prom, which a lot of us have been watching lately and like so hungry for like musical theater and how that, how that just tickled everything we needed by watching that the dance and the the, beauty and the costumes and all that and so they're in there so your career is not done you are still fully in it I'm
0: still doing it
1: still doing it so can you say like where you are right now and a little bit of uh, where you grew up and then also we'd like to get to like how did you end up in Paris as a bluebell dancer or wherever wow. was your first one of those
0: well I don't know where to start I mean should we start with my mom I think that's a great place because that is a my mom was a principal dancer at the Foley's Bergère and the Lido de Paris. The Foley's for seven years, Lido de Paris for two in Vegas. So I grew up in Vegas. Um also she and Vasily Sulich, her partner at the Foleys Bergere, uh co-founded the uh, Nevada Dance Theater in Las Vegas. So my mom was doing it all. She was dancing all day and she was dancing all night and um you know I just kind of grew up in that world and I remember going to watch her uh from the lighting booth in the show and and um when I would say mom I know the, I know the choreography (laughs) 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 she'd be like oh sure honey oh sure and then I would show her and and, yeah I knew the choreography anyway uh, did you did you take class where she taught did you grow up in that studio (laughs) Here's the thing. I mean, like when I was four years old, we, before we moved to Vegas, we were here in Anaheim and they had a dance school, a huge dance school in Anaheim on La Palma. They had like 400 plus students. And um, I would kind of, mom says, I would saunter in and I would do a few plies and then leave. And then I would just... (gasps) saunter in and you know give me bop mas and then leave and
1: you're meant to be a principal. I,
0: yeah, I just kind of wasn't really committed to it. That's the thing. I just really, really wasn't. I I mean, I loved doing it and it was something I could do, but I uh, I wasn't really committed to it. That's mm. the honest truth. So yeah. when when fast forward to Vegas, um, I wasn't studying dance at all, you know, as a little girl between between like seven and 14 years old I wasn't really studying dance I didn't really study dance again until um until we all moved to Reno mom opened a dance school there uh which she had for many many years she and my dad would teach and uh and that's when I really got into the dancing like was your mom still performing while she was running a dance studio or was she done with that initially she was doing both and then the show that she was doing which was at Harris in lake tahoe that eventually closed and she devoted her full time to the the dance studio at that point you know um anyway uh so i was in high school in reno and uh i was wanting to just get a little more fit and so I went to dance class and I went to dance class a lot. So I kind of trained really hard really fast, sort of thing. yeah. Um, and then when I graduated from high school uh, in 82, I was 16 and uh, I wanted to go to school, but there was the issue of paying for it. so... I thought, okay, well, I, I guess I could go, I could wait tables at the Marie Calendars and make $50 a week, or I could go and audition for that big show in mm-hmm. Hello, <laughs> Hello. And my mom knows Miss Bluebell and she knows Don Arden. <laughs> As does my aunt, did I ever tell you that my mother's sister is Judy Lapin? And Judy was the lead dancer at the Lido de Paris in Vegas for many oh, years. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. But your mom
1: was her. never like hey you should go do this was it ever like i would like my daughter to do this career or was it just kind of
0: like if no. she's interested well, that will happen well she let it be whatever i chose to do mom would hmm. never ever push me in any direction but i decided that i wanted to give it a go and so i went to the audition and uh that's where i met amazing jillian her I'm trying
1: to get her on here. She's almost done it so many times. All of us talk about the the most amazing management we've ever had in any of our jobs in our life. We always say Jillian. Anyway, so yeah. So you got to audition for her as a
0: private? So much. And I, well, I went and and I got the job, which was great. And uh, so I became a Bluebell. And I I believe I was a Bluebell for a year. It might have been six months. It was either six months or a year. And I moved into Tall Nudes. After that, and uh, I was going to school during the day and doing the show at night, I got a little burnout, but um, after a while, I, I needed to just kind of do something different and I wound up going to, I flew to, to the Lida de Paris in Paris to audition for it. I didn't have the job, but I knew that there was an opening. Yeah. For a, a tall nude. And so I went uh, with this lovely English girl named Stacy. She and I went together, um, flew to Paris, <laughs> got <laughs> off the plane and put my fishnets and my leotard on. I went and I auditioned for the Lido de Paris and Madame wow. Ludo was there.
1: Wow. And Pierre
0: Rombert. Yeah. And um, she said to Pierre, after my little audition, she said to, As soon as there is an opening in the bells, I want you to move her in. So I didn't even know what a bell was. Did you know what a bell was? I've learned these
1: things by doing the interview. And it's interesting because I didn't know I was a bluebell all this time. I thought I was a tall nude. So I thought bluebells were only covered. But when you say you're a bluebell dancer, it means all of us. I don't want my podcast to be called Tall Nudes Forever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. But it's interesting because a lot of us just assume bluebells were them and we were the tall nudes, but that bluebells, kind of in the, her whole history. We it's everyone, Blue we were
0: all bluebells. We Bells. were all all in the fold. Yes. So um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I said thank you very much, Miss Bluebell. You know, and you and I know that I had no idea what she was talking about when she said a bell. Right. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like two weeks later, I became a bell, and then I mean, I went in as a um, tall nude. And then two weeks later I went in as a bell. And then
1: can you can you describe that? Because I know that oh, about, the newer girls, yeah, because there's sublimes, there's they have a few different breakdowns than even we had back then. So I don't wow. know, bells that might be so just were, for the Lido.
0: Yeah. So if there were, let's say, 30, 30 covered dancers, through 30 bluebell dancers, I, that was kind of like the number in our show. Because I was in Panache. And um, uh, I would say there were probably 24 tall lutes and then there would be six bells and three principal dancers
1: okay so you were promoted right off
0: the bat yeah and um uh i guess you would call them semi principals. yeah but they all worked they were always together all the six mm. of them um i actually really loved being a bell i they had the best costumes and great choreography and panache it was so good um yeah. And then, uh, and then one of the principals left uh, and I wound up moving into her slot. So
1: another promotion- So did you, did you go back or did you get the job and then like, okay, I gotta get my
0: life together here and then just no, move to Paris no, right no. away? I just, I just skedaddled, I got out of there. I got out of Reno and I just, I committed to the Lido um, in Paris. I only wound up staying about a year and four months. I started to get a little homesick <laughs> I was 21 and uh so I decided to go back to Hello Hollywood Hello and um went back to my life for a little while and then I wound up going to Jubilee. I wanted to go to Vegas and I went to Jubilee and Fluff LaCo was my boss there and um it wasn't my favorite job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It was probably my least favorite job. That that particular show. So when an opening became available at the Lido de Paris at the Stardust Hotel, I auditioned for that and I I got in uh, as principal. What show was that? Was that Into the Night? Uh, no, it was before Into the Night. It was just okay. Lido de Paris. Okay, that's the
1: show. I think I was there in '79. Okay. I don't know how long that show, but I think that's the show that I saw was just Lido de Paris. So then
0: the show. I was there in 89 and 90 and I left in 91. So I went in, in like January of 89. Mm.
1: And that's still, that's a Don Arden show still. He Don was still Arden producing. Show. Oh okay. yeah,
0: a total Don Arden show. And my aunt Judy, uh, Judy Lappin, she was uh, a principal dancer in that show for many, 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 many years. And I, I actually wound up, you know, stepping into her shoes and wearing some of her costumes. Oh,
1: my gosh. Oh, I know. Wow. It was wow. so wild.
0: It was so did your,
1: did your mom see you in
0: all these shows? Oh, yeah.
1: How was that for you and for her to get to see you doing the life that she did for so long? Uh,
0: you know, we didn't really make too much of it, honestly. It was just, that's just a thing, huh? It was thing, a huh? job to have, you know, it was... It was better than doing a lot of other things you could be doing, you know? (laughs) Sitting in an office or, I don't know, I just, I got really lucky, I really did. And the Lido at the Stardust Hotel was far and away one of my favorite jobs. I just loved it there. I love the show, I love the people, and Liz Larkin and I shared a dressing room for two years and she became one of my dearest, closest friends, still to this day. Yeah. I love her so much. And, um, I just, I have such fond memories of that, that show and that job. I really so, do. Cause you've ex- you
1: experienced, um, four big shows like mm-hmm. all back to back. So what was the difference for you? Cause I know they can be like same producer, but it you know, there's so much, like if you have a wonderful mm-hmm. roommate or if you've got a good track, but do you know what it was that made some of them more enjoyable than others?
0: Um, I, definitely the people that you're surrounded by, you know, who yeah. that you work it day in and day out with that, that makes all the difference. And, you know, I think that goes pretty much for everyone in every walk of life. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, I just remember I did cruise ships. I did a couple shows where the cast was just, everybody was happy to be there. And, and, yeah. and I worked, and I worked another cast that there was people that were just so jaded yeah. That all they did was gripe about the show. I'm like, yeah. this, is, this is I'm excited to be in the show, but it was hard to keep that up when people are tearing it down or complaining. Exactly. And so that who you're backstage with is really important and you can't really go anywhere mm-hmm. when you're sharing that tiny space backstage. But
0: really? it's interesting, <laughs> the morale is ref- definitely dependent on yeah. who you're cast with. And I found the same thing was true, you know, working at Disneyland for four years in Frozen. It was, you know, whoever is in the room, that little dressing room with you every day, and it changes every day. Yeah, uh, that could, that can make your day really great or make it really shitty.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: How much? Spot, how
1: much time we're dancing on stage, and then how much is actually in the in the dressing room and rehearsals is a lot. So, were you when you were there at the Stardust? Were you thinking you were? gonna kind of do like you've been doing a year or so here or there to, or were you just kind of going with whatever seemed good at the time like I'm tired I'm of going, this yeah.
0: no I was going with the flow and I would have I would have stayed there until the bitter end if uh hmm. if I had an audition for the Will Rogers Follies for Tommy Tune <laughs> okay you gotta get to that story that's such a fun story <laughs> oh my gosh um I think I was 26 then yeah I was 25 or 26 um and uh I remember Michael, Michael Telmont, I believe his name is Michael Telmont, he was a principal dancer at Jubilee, and um, he called me and he said, I, there's an audition, and I, th- coming through, Tommy Tune's auditioning for the Will Rogers Follies, and I think you, he'd really like you, I think you should go, and I was like, oh, no, I, I don't want to go to New York. (laughs) Why would I want to do that? You know, I was in school. I was studying. I was in finals, actually. Um, It was in December of, what year was this? Oh, my gosh. 1990. Um, And, uh, but then I thought, oh, I'd kind of like to meet Tommy Toon. So I decided to go to my final, and I went to the audition late. And I walked in, and they'd already taught the combination. (laughs) But they were so kind. Tommy and his assistant, um, Jeff Calhoun, they were just so kind. They were like, oh, please come in. I said, I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on here. We'll teach you here. And it was just a really easy combination. I picked it up like that. It was super simple. And um, so I did the combo and they were just so gracious and, um, you know, they loved, oh, that was great. That was great. Now, can you please walk like a showgirl? (laughs) got it well if anyone knows me i really know how to do that really well (laughs) so so i did that and they were like oh my god oh my god okay great so they made a cut um okay great can you sing and you know i've never been to a a broadway audition or broadway show auditions but i was like yeah i can sing great what can you sing i was so ill prepared i had no music (laughs) <laughs> the he was such a lovely man I wish I remembered his name but he he had this book of like the 50 um top Broadway songs of, of that day and, and leafing through the book and I go oh what I did for love I know that song so I just sang that song and just sang out Louise because I didn't care I didn't have any fear I just didn't yeah care. and what I didn't tell you and I should back up and just mention really quick was um uh, in high school, I became a singer. I sang in all the bands, in all the choirs. I had my own band. I sang at wow. graduation. So I was a singer who was clearly out of shape as a singer, but I could still sing. So yeah. I had that going for me and um, and that was it. So I, uh, I did that. <laughs> that was that
1: show i've seen that show i told you a friend of mine who was also bluebell um did the tour of that and i uh-huh. <laughs> favorite song we're talking about how, how precise that needs to be but also there is definitely a showgirl element oh, to yeah. a lot of those numbers right so oh, yeah. when you oh, see definitely. like non like when you see jazz like i've taught heels classes showgirl and it's awkward I and mean, they think it's gonna be easier but you put heels on like there's a grace in the style that's not just like Oh, because I'm a dancer, I can do this. So it is interesting to watch people flail a little bit or to look awkward. And you're like, why is this so hard? Like, oh, because we actually had to like train mm-hmm. to do that. And so the, girl, the other girls in the cast, did they have any experience in that? Because obviously if he comes to Vegas, was he looking for that?
0: Uh, yeah, but I think that initially, I think Tommy's vision was to have a group of dancer dancers, like who did the tap numbers, and then a group of showgirls. And then he, at ah. some point he decided to merge everybody together. And so, every, so you did everything. Everybody did all the styles yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. the
1: part that I also was excited about. This was the original cast. Yeah. So that's a cool thing to be on the beginning. So when they said, well, Rogers is like, what the heck is that? Did you have, who knows what that is? So when you're auditioning, it was just Tommy I mean, Toon's name was enough to get you going. I didn't
0: even know who Will Rogers was, to be yeah. very honest. Right. <laughs> and my grandmother, she laughed so hard. I called her <laughs> and I said, Granny, I got the job, but who's Will Rogers? <laughs> <And> he <laughs> fell over. She oh. loved telling that story. Oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But, um, so what was
1: that like for you? Uh, like, like you told about like flying into New York, like you have to p- you're picking up your life again to move uh, into the big city, to be part of a brand new show and rehearsals. Oh, oh, and
0: Tommy was so wonderful to me. He, you know, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned he actually after that night or the day of the audition, he came to see the show that night, the Lido de Paris, And he sat, Oh God love him in King's row, all tall and proud. And smiling at me and just beaming at me and he came backstage afterwards and he talked to my company manager Terry Laverne afterwards and um, and he said, you know, <laughs> I want Jelana to come into my show. Can I take her? <laughs> Basically. And and so the offer came at that point in time and I said, Tommy, I can't <clears throat> I can't be there in like 10 days. I know you want me there in 10 days, but I can't be there in 10 days. I got to wrap up my life and I'm still in finals in school. And, um, he said, okay, well, could you come in January, whatever day he threw out there? And I said, yeah, that'd be fine. So I had like an extra month to sort of wrap things up before. Did you have to break your contract or were you done with your contract? Essentially, I was breaking a contract. Okay. Yeah. Because the show was going to run a little bit further, but, um, yeah, essentially I had to. To break a contract, but um, Terry was great with oh me good and let me go and and then Tommy waited for me to get there so I missed the workshop phase of the Will Rogers Follies which is just kind of like the bare bones you're in a theater they were at the Nieder- Niederlander Theater doing the workshop of it and you know everyone's in leotards and tights and they're just working through ideas mm-hmm. and choreography and concepts so I missed that stage but I went into production rehearsals in January. Wow. So, mm-hmm. what was
1: that like? What was your what was oh, your first like thoughts when you get there to New York? Was it like exciting or terrifying? Because it's uh, like you gotta both, find a place. Both. Both.
0: Oh, my god! You know, when I got off, well, first of all, you know, when you fly into LaGuardia and they they do that big circle of Manhattan at night, and I'm just oh, looking down there going, Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm gonna be wow. living here. And you're doing
1: Broadway, like was, yeah. like if, That was you weren't like, Oh, I'm gonna do these shows. Then I'm gonna be a Broadway dancer. You just like, No. Oh, I guess I'm moving. I'm gonna go be a Broadway that's amazing. I mean I really have to say that it's really amazing. But that's...
0: I got so lucky. I was just so lucky. I can't even tell you. You didn't have
1: to do the starving artist in New York no, trying to get hit no, 20 auditions.
0: Just go and 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 I had some friends that I stayed with until I sort of got my bearings and found an apartment. And they lived on 47th Street, just off of 8th Avenue. Wow. And, you know, the palace theater was literally a block away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. It was incredible. Um, I, I'm just, I'm so lucky that I got to do that. And I, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think that I was going to stay there very long. I figured I would just go do the show for six months and then go back and get back in school and all that. But, um, well, things happened very differently once I got there. So I, what were you going to school for? What was your, um, pursuit? I audio, well, first I was studying electrical engineering. And then when I figured out that what I really loved was audio engineering, I wound up going to school in New York while I was doing Rogers scholars. Oh my gosh. You're super committed. Wow. I know. I'm just like, I'm crazy like that. But, um, uh, so I got my degree and I stayed in the show for two and a half years and, um, and I got my degree, and I uh, I got an offer to come and back to Vegas and do this show at the uh, the Luxor Hotel, which was being built at the time, oh, with wow. a choreographer that I loved working with, Jean Pierre Geregiori, If you know him, he's French. He's from Toulouse, and mm. um, I I had worked with him. I had done some sort of a Uh, another show with him and I just loved his choreography. So I thought, you know, Mo Rogers is kind of winding down. We, you know, we could tell that it was not gonna last very much longer. So Hmm. I wound up actually moving back to Vegas to do this show at the Luxor hotel. And um, I believe I was there for just a couple of months. And then I got a call from from Tommy to go back and do, The Best Little Whorehouse Goes Public, which he he had already done the workshop of it, and all his girls, you know, they were going to do it, but one of them decided she wanted to pull out, and um, he asked if I was interested, and I said, sure. So I moved back to New York again. Is this like a sequel? Because there's the best little horror house in Texas. Yes,
1: exactly. So it's, it's the same exactly. story that goes. Yes.
0: It, I was, like, that. it picked up where it left off and then it just kept going further. And unfortunately, it became Tommy Tim's flop. Oh, oh that's so I know. <laughs> and it was, um, I was so glad to be a part of it. Um, but it just, The story, the second act just wasn't coming together. And, you know, they kept trying to fix it and trying to fix it. And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, Paramount Pictures were one of the producers on it. And I believe they put $10 million into the production. And we were at the Lunt Fontaine Theater. And I mean, it was visually a stunning show it was the book that was the problem. Mm. The music was great too. Carol um, did such a beautiful job with the music, but
1: yeah. How does that see... feel when you're in a show and you can oh, feel that? Cause you can tell, like sometimes like, is this good, brutal. is this not
0: good? It was brutal oh, and it had such high hopes, you know, when, when they had done the workshop of it, they'd only done the first act of it in the workshop and everybody was speaking very, very, very highly of the production. So yeah it was really it was kind of sad we were open well we did previews for two and a half months so we rehearsed during the day and then we would do that version of the show at night and we kept changing things and tweaking things and and you know over and over and then we we finally opened and we were we got a horrible review in the new york Times, And, and they closed the show in 10 days, basically. Yeah. Oh, so if you get that,
1: it's kind of like you can feel it anyway. And then the reviews, is just, you can't really salvage that, at that point. But shut
0: the casket, essentially. Oh, my they gosh. And, you know, there's also this thing that uh, production companies, they, they take insurance policies out. For situations such as this, and if they close the show in a certain amount of time, they get their money back from the insurance company. So it was one of those things. Too. Yeah. Oh wow. You know, it's a business.
1: Yeah, which I think it's in the movie um, "All That Jazz." The whole thing. Mm-hmm. There was something with insurance that made me want to look into that. So mm-hmm. now that I sort of sideways reference Bob Fosse,
0: oh, um, how Bob did Bob. were you in New York when um, Chicago? yeah you know so one of my dear friends was the go to hell kitty her name's lee zimmerman uh she she and i were in will rogers and uh she and i were very close friends anyway um i didn't have an agent at the time and so i kept going to the open calls for chicago and i kept getting cut and she was like (laughs) what is happening you should be in the show I was like I know I just can't seem to you know there were so many dancers at these open calls so many I don't even even know how they can see everybody dance even if you break it into you know a group of 16 or six or you know there's so many dancers they had to get through and just get them through yeah so Uh, I wound up in that situation and she um, she very kindly well let me just back up Um, so after Chicago opened and became the hit that it was for many many years uh, but this was in 1996 oh before I did Chicago I sorry No, no no you could fill in some gaps
1: there so I know you did some other things in there too I did Sunset Boulevard but anyway,
0: so going back to Chicago, um, uh, there was an audition for a Victoria's Secret commercial because the, those five supermodels, those five Victoria's Secret supermodels were going to need dancer body doubles because they were going to do the commercial a la Chicago because Chicago was the big thing. And N Ranking was going to choreograph it. Oh my gosh. Wow. So she said, Jelana, I want you to come to this audition. I said, sure, I'm there. And I was the only girl at the audition who wasn't in Chicago. Really? hmm Oh, wow. And I wound up booking the commercial. And obviously, Lee must have told Anne Ranking, you know, Jelana can't seem to get past uh, the casting people in Chicago. Um, but I think she'd be great for the show. And Anne, you know, we worked together for two days on this commercial and God, she was amazing. God
1: rest her soul. Yeah, I feel like there needs to be a time of honor for her right now. I think it just shook the dance world, especially the Fosse world for,
0: yeah. A few days ago. Yeah. This just so tragic. Um, anyway, she was so lovely to work with. And she pulled me aside while we were doing the second day on the commercial. And she said, I want you to know that as, as soon as there's an opening in the show, you're going in. <sighs> Oh my
1: gosh. Okay. You can't have a better speaker
0: than that for you.
1: And I just, I almost fell over. I'll swear to God, I almost fell over. Well, Um, that's one of the things like talking to dancers, like when people are saving it for that big show, they don't pay attention to every show you have in between mm
0: -hmm.
1: is an opportunity that some people don't realize, like how you work on a two day shoot mm -hmm. is enough to get you into a show. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Like work ethic and, paying attention and style like that says something right there that yeah she's that she's gonna speak for you and get you in there
0: and i got a phone call a month later when there was an opening Yay!
1: Okay. oh my gosh and you tell us the character you went in
0: as so i went in uh as hunyak yeah to the hungarian not guilty <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you got to be featured in cell block tango then i night. know
0: i know and oh. and then they get the the hanging scene in the second act which was yeah you know uh, heartbreaking but I'm so glad I got to do that and looking back I feel like I was the perfect person for that role you know I did play Go to Hell Kitty a couple of times you know because I went in and out of the show while I was doing other shows um I actually went in and out of the show 14 times with, within the span of 10 years
1: oh my gosh I <laughs> you know isn't that wow. crazy
0: um but um uh, they, they, they do that in that show. I don't know if you're aware of that. But no, I've never years heard years that. There's over again and again and again. That's how I met Marianne Lamb. Well, obviously, you know, I, I danced with her in dance class in New York. Yeah. But, um, and my God, that woman is just such a dynamo in dance class too, by the way. Uh, yes. And on stage. And then I worked with her. Uh, we did like, they, We did an international tour where we went to Taipei and did the show there, and I was go to Hell Kitty, and, and Marianne Lamb was in the show there. And, you know, they do all these, like, little groups, and I went to Dubai at one point in time, and then I was asked to go to Portugal at one point in time, so that's how that whole Chicago things. once you're in the show, and they know they can call you, and just, you know, like, you already know the show, and you pretty, I, I knew all the tracks, because I had actually been a swing for, oh, that's awesome, and so they could just throw me into any track, and it behooves them to use the same people over and over again that yeah. already know it. So, um, yeah, that was that. So, I've seen
1: people that have audition audition, they don't get it. But then when you see those very seasoned dancers that know there's something of the maturity, like as much as it is great for new people to get an opportunity, when you see those, like you watch them like Marianne, who just has to stand there and move her shoulder, you go, mm-hmm. that's why you need to be in there forever because yeah. it doesn't get passed down the same. I think cause that style, mm-hmm you have to live into that for a while to have it really be yeah. as powerful as it is on stage. And just like new, fresh, maybe doesn't necessarily um, yeah. speak the same. So good for you for getting in there, but then you get to be one mm-hmm. of those that like just embody that
0: mm-hmm.
1: grit and that style and that finesse.
0: Thank you. Honestly, when I first went into the show, I mean, I wasn't the fossy dancer that I was at the end of the run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I learned a lot while I was just doing it. And I would study while I was doing the show, I would study video of Bob Fosse's work and I would incorporate um, other things. I would, because a lot of that show you can improv, you know, there's, there's several counts of eight where you do whatever you wanna do basically. And uh, so I would switch up my improvs with different kind of Fosse moves that I thought looked good on my body so um, wow, it, was such a, it was such an incredible experience to do that show. My God, for all those years. And I would love to do it again. But, Which um, that seems like one of those shows that the aging is not the
1: same limit that a lot of other dance careers would be. Right, like you exactly. see people in their 40s and beyond that still look amazing in that show. I mean, some of that stuff's hard on your back and your hips, but yeah. you know, you're not slamming yeah. into the splits in a can can either. So that's no. the fact that the that age is
0: beautiful. Yeah, you are doing that slow split and billy, though. So. Oh yeah, which, which oh, did do number on my lower back. I will tell you that. <laughs> how how was your
1: life in New York? Because you've had definitely wherever you live is changes yeah. how your life is as a performer. Mm-hmm.
0: um, You know what? It was great. It was great. But when I left New York and I moved out to LA in um, 2000, I was kind of ready to go. I was ready to go. I'd been there for 10 years and I felt like I had done a lot and I was ready to move on to the next phase of my life. And I actually moved out here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're not going to believe this <laughs> to go back to audio engineering school. Really? Degree yet again, because the, the, you know, the technology is so, it's so fast how it's changing. Yeah. I had been to school, you know, in that 10 year period between Will Rogers and and when I finished in Chicago, the, the technology was just completely different. So I had to like oh, wow. learn all new stuff, you know, as well as review the old stuff. So. I got my degree and I, uh, and I met my husband here in LA. And mm. so when I met my husband, I was an audio engineer. I was working in a uh, post-production facility and really? I was just doing, yeah, doing audio for film and TV. And, uh, oh. and I did that for about a year and a half. And when 9-11 happened, a lot of the work just kind of vanished. Yeah. And, um, and I had the opportunity to go back and do Chicago. They kept calling me. They kept calling me. Really? They they called call me five times. And I said, no, 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 no. And finally I said, yes, I will go back and do the show. So I went back to the Broadway company for two months. And, uh, my boyfriend at the time came to see me in New York. He came out, um, to see me in the show. It was like, whoa, what popped out of this cake?
1: Really? Yeah, he didn't <laughs> see that part of your life. No, he never seen it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. I have a question. How soon after 9-11 did you go there? Um
0: let me think. I have to think this through. I would think it was the following summer, so it was like six months later. Because that was such a heartbreak
1: of Broadway closed down and, and like you'd see Broadway dancers out doing things like New York's going to come back. But I've always wondered what it was like for those shows to reopen. I'm sure it's kind of like what we're dealing with COVID when things go away, but there's a different trauma of being in New York after nine 11 mm-hmm. and to see revival come, you know, like it gives hope, but I'm just wondering, like it's not yeah. just popping into another show. There's I'm wondering what that was like yeah, for I, you to return.
0: I went, I went in the following summer. I believe it was June and July. I remember it was restaurant week. So it must've been June. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. That's right, and Marsha Lewis's wedding. That's right, and so it was in June. June okay. and July. Yeah, I, I loved my life in New York, I have to say that, but I have to tell you, um, the money goes real quick there. Yeah, you know, We were making top dollar on in those Broadway shows. We were making a lot of money and I just, wow, it just flies out the window, you know? So there, there was that to think about. And that's why when I had the opportunity to go on a first national tour on several different occasions, you know, to make Salary and diem was really, really quite something. It was really great. So I, I decided that I liked touring. Yeah, which, which shows <laughs> did you tour with? Um, initially I toured with um, Sunset Boulevard. Okay, wow. It was my first tour. Um, and it was after I had been in the Broadway company for a year and then I decided to go out with the tour. Uh, and then I went out with the tour of Chicago. I actually started in Chicago on the tour of Chicago. And then okay. when, when my tour ended, uh, I went into the Broadway company. And, uh, and then, you know, in and out, in and out. <laughs> Can I, how old were you while you
1: were still doing these professional uh, theater as a dancer,
0: like? Well, at this point in time, I was thirty-five when okay. I when when I left New York to move to to LA. So I had been doing Chicago for two and a half years. Okay, and then, yeah, I was I was a little bit injured. I was a little bit, uh, you know, tired in New York, and I just needed a new a new thing. So yeah,
1: because so like, like some bodies wear out faster than others, and some shows mm-hmm. are a little bit more forgiving.
0: But honestly, I. I still, it's not that hard, a dancing show. It's as, kind of as hard as you want to make it for yourself. Yeah. But um, it's it's just some of the motion is repetitive motion. So that's what's taxing. Like doing yeah. that split on one leg, you know, over and over, yeah. and over for all those years and not doing the other leg. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> So um, did your boyfriend at the time when he did he propose right then when he saw you in Chicago? Maybe she kind of that. Okay. <laughs> it's like, ah, that it would be such an be- interesting surprise if you we know, oh, see outside yeah. side of you and people can say, "Oh, the dancer." You're like, "Okay, yeah, whatever." And they're like, "Oh my gosh!" No, she was like, I'm just, "I would love to." I would love to have seen his face on that to see, like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. So how was LA? Was that, cause that's very different, but I mean, a lot of people do
0: the bi-coastal thing uh-huh. and there's some
1: similar industry, but really different.
0: Well, when I when I moved out here, I was, I thought I was done with the dancing and I, I didn't think that I'd be going back into Chicago or anything like that. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, I love the casting director, his, his name was Howie Chirpikoff and he kept calling me can you can you just come can you just come for just two weeks can you just, you just just for like eight weeks and I'd be like how I can't can't do it can't do it but um it was so wonderful that you know they kept calling and um so after that actually um I took a little break and I was doing the doing the sound engineering thing again and uh I had an opportunity to audition for the producer's first national tour um, and I had one of my friends was playing Ula in, mm. in the tour she was in the original Broadway company she was the Ula cover or one of the two of them in the Broadway company and they were mounting the tour and she called me one day and her name's Angie Schwar and she said um uh, we're, we're going out with the, sh- with the producer's tour and we don't have uh, an ULA cover. And I think that you'd be really great in this. And there's a call, there's a, an invited call next week. Would you want to fly in and, and be seen? And I said, yeah, yes, I will go. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and, um, and I auditioned and I got the job. And so I wound up doing that national tour, and that was really cool because my husband has always wanted to live in New York. And uh, when we were mounting the tour and setting it uh, in the studios on Forty Second Street, I, we got to live in New York for two and a half months. So I sublet an apartment where I used to live. And oh my gosh! And he he ate it up. He loved being there. In New York for those two and a half months, and then we went on the tour, and it was like what what they call a red carpet tour. And what that means is we were not only were we received very well, and you know, with the parties and all these kind of you know beautiful things. When we arrived at whatever city we were traveling to, we would sit down for quite some time. So we opened uh, in Philadelphia, and um, uh, it was. It was really, it was quite something. He drove the car from city to city and oh. with with our things in it, and I would fly from city to city. And we were only on tour for seven months. And we were sitting down, you know, like we were in Minneapolis for two months. We were in Cincinnati for a month. We came to Seattle where you yeah. are. Yeah. We were at the Paramount there. I believe we were there for like four weeks. Like then, some of it is such a short, like a weekend
1: here. And I thought you don't really get to see the city if you're on tour and you're basically exactly. sleeping, teching and
0: doing it again. So that exactly. seems like that would be really. No, we we were sitting down for quite some time, which made it so nice. Uh, and then we were in San Francisco for like three months. It was ridiculous. But, and then we landed in LA. Mm. So we were in LA for a whole year with salary and per diem. Really? Which was great. Oh my gosh! Which was really, really great. So, um, yeah, that was that. And then when the tour decided to move on and go back out on tour, I'd been in the show a year and a half, and that's kind of like my mark.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So I jumped. Chicago was coming through at the Pantages here in LA, and I jumped back into Chicago at that point in in time. And I stayed for a year and a half
1: you're like in with a different cast different theater like how is that are you just like hey i'm back in it doesn't feel any different doesn't matter where i do it
0: Uh, or does it feel different it feels somewhat different but it feels very 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 familiar that's that's so cool and i yeah i feel like i can jump in pretty quick and just know where i am and what i'm doing
1: well i wonder too like just that life as a bluebell like if you've swung that you, you make it interesting and new, but I think there's people that can adapt quicker. Mm-hmm. And I just, everybody I talked to have done these kind of shows. If they swing, they can, even just, if you don't even do dance, how your mind is able to switch gears Where yeah. some people, you, th- you know, you change things up and it, it will make them stall. Like they can't, yeah. can't quite get out of it where, you know, you've already done that. Like new yeah. place, give me a thing. And you can just sink right in there. That's really
0: that's a
1: different kind of brain and a different kind yeah. of creativity.
0: Yeah. I loved being a swing though. I have done it along the way. Yeah, I enjoy that. My mind is kind of, you know, mechanical and I just kind of thinks, I'm very mathematical in my brain. That's so why I, I have like a question
1: me. too with you and you, were you backstage ever or going to the light and sound board because you, you're working in the shows? Were you ever back there checking it out or up there Absolutely. actually? Wanting Absolutely. to see the, okay, that seems like it yeah. would be a wasted opportunity if you didn't take no. it to, no, to no, learn I, from these people. I, I yeah,
0: and I, I, I hung out at the soundboard at the Pantages a lot. He showed me a lot, the, our um, our uh, engineer that was touring with us. He was wonderful. And yeah, he, <laughs> think he thought maybe I could take over at one point in time. But honestly, I'd rather be on stage. Yeah. I did discover that for myself. You know, I thought that I wanted to do this, this whole other thing. But when I actually got in it, I didn't really love it that much. I found it very stressful and um, all the sitting didn't agree with me very well. I'd yeah. much rather be active and I'd much rather be on the stage if at all possible.
1: Well, that's such a good thing to know while you're in it. Cause I think I've heard different stories, myself included, stop for different reasons but wasn't really ready to be done. And mm-hmm. some people like, or like when you're done with one show, it's time to, but to be done performing and not realize you really weren't done
0: mm-hmm
1: and yeah so I think it's really good to know why or I guess I'm supposed to do this next instead of really listening to what your heart says or what actually feeds your soul as opposed to like well this makes more sense financially or it makes more sense for my spouse or whatever to really know like I well, think when me, you don't take care of that part of your heart I think we we really suffer
0: yeah for me I mean honestly the financially being on stage is is more lucrative as well it just so happened that that was the case. And when I was doing, when I was working at the post house, um, you know, just being an audio engineer, sitting on my duff for 40 hours a week, I gained 10 pounds, my back went out. It was, it wasn't the greatest thing. I wasn't making that much money. And I just, when I got the call to do Chicago, I was like, you know what? I wanna go do this. Yeah. (laughs) many reasons you
1: know and it's so interesting to hear how hard it was to get in that show and how hard it was to actually get out of that show (laughs) 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 that they keep asking you back because like you had to really like how audition after audition but then once you're in there it's so wonderful that which it makes sense they don't have to train somebody they don't have to teach Mm -hmm. in the style that
0: Mm
1: -hmm. if you're in there and they love you that you can just keep working and then not be committed to like contract after contract, but go do your thing. That's like Liz Larkin. I think what we were talking how she yeah. would just come in and out of hello, Hollywood. So she could yeah. go back to that. And it's easy to pop her in more than a new person. Yeah. She could still have that life of, I want to try this and experience this instead of like, I'm going to only do this. Cause that yeah. kind of can kind of drain your soul. Yeah. So what, how did you get, okay. So we want to get to prom and frozen uh, because both of those are like so current. So I'm just curious, like when you've decided you want to perform more. Yeah. And the acting and singing, you know that those are definitely big parts that you have to do to do all these shows.
0: Yeah. Um, well, uh, after I finished, I finished uh, my last Chicago stint was in two thousand seven, and so at that point in time, actually no, it was it was a couple of years before that. I decided to study acting and really study acting because I hadn't really, I'd sort of dipped my toe in the water, but I hadn't really committed to it. And I felt like I had some downtime, I had some money in the bank and I wanted to just go and do this and see how it was. And so I studied with, um, I went up going to, uh, well, I asked Jason Alexander if he could give me a recommendation. And he recommended Larry, um, Larry, I'm spacing his last name. Sorry. Anyway, he taught in Santa Monica. He wasn't actually teaching at the time. He was in New York at the time. So I went to Ivana Chubbuck, who actually lived for her studios right down the street from me. And she lives right down the street. And Ivana Chubbuck is like the coach to the stars. You know, she trained Halle Berry and Brad Pitt and Charlize Theron and Elizabeth Shue and all these big stars. And you know, she's got this huge following. And so I thought, okay, well, um, Jason recommended her. So I'm going to go study with her. So it was hard. It was really hard. It was really, really, really hard. But I finally got the hang of it. Mm. And I, uh, I finally made my way into her good graces. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she offered me a job at the studio. So I actually worked at the studio for four years while I was training with her. And um, um, I spent 10 years all in all in total training with her. And I, I mean, I owe her everything. I became the actor that I became because of her. And she, she was tough love. She was, oh. she was brutal at times, but um, I feel like she really, she did me a solid. So yeah.
1: coming out of like doing Chicago or even doing the, the cabaret shows, you are doing some acting. I feel like in some ways it helps, but also did that also hurt when you're trying to work with the acting coach to try to get some of that out of you to. Yes. Okay.
0: You know, the transition from the theater to the small screen is, it's everything. Yeah. (laughs) It's everything. You got to unlearn some real, you know, those, that big behavior, those bad habits that you develop on stage because you're projecting to a huge theater full of you know 2,000 people whatever it is it's a different style yeah so you have to unlearn that for Mm. me and yeah she she really whipped me into shape (laughs) (laughs) which
1: takes a lot of humility especially like well I've already you know you've already had this successful career so I think the humility to unlearn and learn and and take the amount of time because I think a lot of people like okay I'm going to I just see it for auditions. I got to go take a singing class and, or people call the studio. Like I need to learn how to spin. Well, for one, you know, but like, when's your audition tomorrow or like college apps? I'm always surprised. Like, and I think people to really pursue it, like 10 years show so much more than people are like, I want to do this. Oh, it's hard. I don't want to do it anymore because mm-hmm. I was really good at this. So why would I go
0: do this thing? That's pushing mm-hmm. me. Be mm-hmm.
1: So what was it? Were you wanting to do
0: film or? Yeah, I wanted to to just, you know, I'm here in LA, that's 90, <laughs> 90% of the work is here. So I wanted to give it a go. And um, and I'm still dancing. I'm still taking my dance from Michael Owens. Oh my
1: gosh, I love Michael he Owens. He is oh. at Oakdale,
0: over at Hama's Hama's dance studio. Do you know where is? Wasn't he dance? in LA or in New York for years? Michael Owens was, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, and so it's Howard, his studio, but it's- He, he taught at David Howard's studio. David, okay, that's- But he moved out here before I did okay he started teaching at Hamas Hamas has been here since the 50s I want to say yeah um, but he's that studio is on it's in the valley it's on um, Laurel Canyon and Moore Park and it's it's quite famous a lot of yeah. LA, LA people know Hamas anyway so he was teaching there and I was still taking my dance classes you know to be in shape and yeah good it for wasn't you. Really, I wasn't singing at all I was just doing the acting and the dancing and um, So I was just auditioning. I've done a couple little things here and there, you know, as far as acting goes, but uh, nothing major, major, but um, yeah, it's hard to break in, especially when you're older. I think it's a lot easier when you're in your 20s, you know, yeah. when you're in your 40s, it's harder. It's just harder. Yeah. So how did you get the... Well, here's the thing. I was so I was t- I was studying with Ivana Chevik and um, and one of my friends and my classmates, he comes in late, and we're never supposed to be late, you know. He goes, "Oh, I was stuck on set," and I was like, "Oh, what are we doing?" He goes, "Oh, I, I work on 24," you know, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. 24. I said, "Oh, really? What do you do?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm one of the regular CT agents," and I I said. Wait, you work on the set? He goes, yeah. It's it's a background position, but I'm one of the regulars on it. And I was like, that is so cool. That is so <laughs> cool. And he told me, he said, well, Donna, you know, I think that you would do really well if you wanted to give it a go. And I said, yeah. Tell me. So he told me exactly everything to do, what companies to sign up with. What you know, the SAG aftercard, la 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 la, and uh, started submitting myself online uh, on LA casting, and I booked a lot of stuff. Wow! Uh, Yeah, a couple things wound up being upgrades to principal, and and uh, and I just loved being on set. You know, that's Uh where I wanted to be. So, yeah, it's a lonely background job, but it was really cool just to to, like have that perspective and to learn my way around a set and, and also just to watch the actors do their thing, you know, how many different takes there are and, uh, you know, um, how many different angles they're going to use on the camera and the whole world of of lighting and having the camera, like right in your face. It's just, I learned so much just from observing as a background person and, um, I got to work on Transformers 3 and I wound up being cast, if you will, uh, as uh, John Malkovich's executive secretary. So I got to work with John Malkovich for eight days and talk to him and just shoot the shit for eight days. And Charlotte LaBeouf was wonderful. We we had some great conversations too. And um, you know, that that sort of became my new world. And um, And then I started standing in for various uh, actresses that look, you know, similar to me. Like right now I'm working on the L word. I stand for Jennifer Beals.
1: Okay, so we know who Jennifer Beals. Anyone need a refresher? Who's Jennifer Beals and why does she matter to us dancers? Flash dance,
0: baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. I have to tell you when I first saw her, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I was just so starstruck. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's interesting too, because I know like, I don't like, hello, Hollywood. Hello. Like Donald O'Connor came backstage, Tammy mm-hmm. Davis. And a lot of people tell these stories of, um, mm-hmm. you know, Gene Kelly would hang out backstage or, mm-hmm. and, and, but it is interesting. Like there's, there's kind of g- generational icons. And then there's like that, you know, like flash dance and mm-hmm. chorus all those dance movies that came out that kind of changed the dance world yet again for us of like, mm-hmm. It's, it's being, it's evolving, it's changing, and there's more work for dancers and MTV, like to, I have a yeah. friend that was in Paul, Paul Abdul, Cold Hearted Snake, and we're like, okay, you've made it. Like these, these are the, <laughs> the, the jobs that everyone craves. And, but you've got to be in all those worlds of yeah. doing like the, the, the Parisian cabaret, and then to be in New York on a Broadway show and tours, and then film. Like your career is actually really eclectic and exciting. And then it's still going is another thing I think it's just really says a lot about you too, to have such a long full career because you're able to adapt and change and something else looks interesting. And another thing I love is that I see missing in a lot of performers is uh, observation.
0: Mm.
1: Even we've had people that have worked with Bob Fosse, Mm -hmm. uh, because that generation's not, you know, there's less and less of them. And when I watch people teach a class and I'll watch how a lot of dancers don't, Mm. Observe. They'll do what they think it is, and they're not really watching. I'm like, wait, just hold still for a minute and just really watch, because I think so much is missed. Like, you know, that you're paying attention to the soundboard or that you're watching how things work. That, that was one thing I would love for for more of these younger people to really watch and study. Don't just assume and do. Like, watching these people who are passing these things down that are kind of going away. I just think that anyway. That just struck struck me like anyway. That was on Jennifer Beals. I went on this whole tangent on that <laughs> um, yeah sorry
0: the beauty I love so her it's so for the record she is just such a lovely human being we've we've become friends you know oh that's awesome and uh, she's so this sh- the, the show, show is a
1: reboot right and it's
0: she's it she still it in it yeah yeah she's still number one on the call sheet and she's also exec producing it
1: okay I never watched yeah. it the first time around I need to catch it now so you're
0: you're in so I just stand okay. in for her do you know her, but team? that's yeah you yeah, yeah. I'm okay yeah so you Go ahead and say it for everything. it's always good
1: go ahead and explain that because it's oh, good for so all of us essentially,
0: the stand-in you know we just watch the rehearsals we watch what they're doing and there's a lot of you know walking and talking and so you sort of make notes you know like you would as a dancer where you're going to be on this particular cue um and then the the actors go away and then the stand-ins come in and the crew does the lighting on you, since you're similar to the actress. They yeah. do the lighting, and if there's a walking and talking scene, they'll walk and talk with you. So you do the scene, you you say the lines, you do everything that she does. So essentially I am mimicking her, but right. um, but uh, I love this work. I really do, yeah. I enjoy it so much. And, uh, and you can make some nice money doing yeah. it. So,
1: that's so. That, again, you're <laughs> observing. Like you got to be someone who pays attention. Yeah. That's wow. And yeah. that's currently happening. And you have even yeah, with the COVID ahead.
0: too. We're just we just started season two uh, less than a month ago. Okay, um, I'll have to get caught up through, through May. Um, and then I worked on season one last year. I, I I missed the first episode. I was working on something else and I wasn't available. So they brought me in for from like August through. They finished shooting mid. No, mid-november so i was doing the prom and standing in for jennifer and doing frozen oh my god <laughs> well that's why i was looking at your photos yeah. these huh? are all over. well just your
1: photos like i think these are happening at the same time yeah or close to so tell a little bit about frozen
0: and it's uh oh frozen was such a gift oh my god just such a gift that show i say was because of covid and we've been you know, the parks have been closed for so long. We've been on furlough, but come the 31st of this year, we will be laid off officially because they still don't have any opening date in, you know, to to speak of. And the governor of California is not giving Disneyland any direction on how to open safely. Yeah. Anyway, they, the company's been very good to us. They've been paying everyone's insurance and, uh, uh, taking care of all that while we're on furlough. So that is quite something. It is quite, um, anyway, we'll see what happens when they figure all this out. And if the parks reopen, they do have the option of bringing the shows back. And we do have the option of taking, uh, an offer for the next two years. We have, um, right of first refusal for our old jobs. So that'll be, I'm secretly hoping that will happen, but that, that, that I actually got, through a friend of mine who does background, hmm. believe it or not, and also stand and work. And I also did the producers with him. Oh, see, this has so <laughs> much matter. Rel- who you
1: work with, contacts all that I know. That
0: and having he, a he, good reputation. <laughs> God love him. He told me, and you know, I, I don't go to Disneyland. I don't go to California adventure, not my thing, but, um, I was completely unaware that there's this Hyperion Theater there and um, Aladdin was there for 14 years, I believe. Yeah. Basically Frozen went into where Aladdin was. It's a huge 2000 seat theater. And it's, I mean, it's just state of the art. It's so amazing. Um, And they workshopped, okay. He was involved in the workshop of Frozen. But he couldn't tell me because he had to sign a (laughs) non-disclosure. So he said, all I can say to you is there's something coming and it's gonna be huge. And you keep your ear to the ground. That's all he can tell me. And so when I finally saw um, on Actors Access, uh, I saw a casting for Frozen the musical for the workshop. I went, this is it. It has to be it. This has got to be it. Uh... It was it. I went to the audition. I did very well. Uh, I didn't wind up doing the workshop. They already had their cast for that. But uh, once it went into full production rehearsals in 2016, March of 2016, I got a a phone call. uh, Basically, they all kind of hired us but we weren't given any days we didn't know what our schedule was going to be or if we would even be involved we might have been a swing or like it was all up in the air so we were all rehearsing at the same time and then as during rehearsals they kind of figured out who they wanted when where etc etc.
1: And this is before the Broadway version of Frozen. So where you guys
0: were kind of workshopping. Yeah, we were the prototype for the Broadway company because they were in fact developing all these new technologies for the show uh, that they basically kind of worked on with us first. Yeah. And I have to tell you, they spent $35 million on this production. stunning! It was so beautiful. And you know, there's things on YouTube if you wanna go look at the production, but it doesn't do it justice of being in the theater and being you know, surrounded by that sound and the, the visual imagery that they created. It's just, my God, it was something. It really was. Um, so. what, and what was your character? Well, oh, I played Gerda. Gerda is the governess of Anna and Elsa. Uh, she is the one who lets Anna know that her parents have died. In the beginning of the story. Um, you know, they they died mm. <laughs> as in most Disney. Right. <laughs> Sorry, stories. your parents are and dead. Parents die like early on. <laughs> and then so uh, Gerda, my character, and Kai, her brother, basically raise Anna and Elsa until Elsa's ready to go to her coronation. And um, and then all, you know, you know the story. Ah yeah. breaks loose. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh. and all that so
1: did you have solos or singing parts in this or uh, does Gerda have
0: a little bit not not too much not too much it's more of an acting role actually um, okay role um, so I, you get to I, put
1: that all into good practice yeah I danced
0: very little and I sing very little in the show just a little not a lot yeah. But it's, I, I, I see it as more of an acting role because it's she becomes the surrogate mom you know she's she, I made the choice in my Gerda that she became the surrogate mother and she was, she loved Anna and Elsa, but especially Anna. Mm. And and I just made it so personal for me that I think that that's what the director saw and that's why she had me be the the only full-time Gerda when we actually mounted the show. Which is
1: interesting because you, a lot, a lot of people can choose not to, or even not to know that's a choice to make your mm-hmm. story more personal. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you, you did say, cause I said for every little girl who loves Frozen, like I just can imagine their faces watching that show, just like, oh. So you said you would sometimes see the audience reaction to that, oh like if it God. wasn't, oh my I would gosh. love, it would be priceless just to see oh all these, God. and little boys too, watching, watching this magic in and front I of gotta them. And I
0: would tell you, not just the youngsters, older folks would be out there too, and just bawling, falling, <laughs> And there would be wow. people that would come and see like every single show, almost every single day. The, the APs wow. come, the annual pass holders, they come, they take pictures, they put them on Instagram, they... I mean, we've got some great photos from these wonderful people that have had have kindly, you know, taken these photographs and then put them on Instagram. And now we have the photos. I've never had any photos of anything I've done, right? Other than that, was what was shot for the the, the playbill, yeah, for the program. Oh my gosh, I know, isn't that crazy? so? Were you working
1: in the show when COVID happened? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you guys there. were just I kind there of waiting, there the like last day. I
0: was there the last that's, that's, day? Yeah, it was so crazy. Heard... Our, our entertainment director came out and we, well, he called us, we were during our lunch hour, he called everyone, the cast, the crew, the hair and makeup people, the technicians, everyone, he called us all into the theater, the house, and um, basically said, you know, the governor has told us that we have to, we have to shut down the park, and so tomorrow will be our last day, and hopefully it will only be for two weeks.
1: <laughs> right, I remember those days
0: and then it got extended another two weeks and he said but we will pay you so we all got paid as if we were there
1: yeah. the whole month
0: <laughs> it was crazy wow. and then you know then they had to put us on furlough until further notice and um yeah so here we are still after all this I time. Think they it's were going to try and reopen i don't know if you remember they're gonna they were going to try oh to- yeah in July and then the numbers started crawling up again. And so the governor put uh, the jinx on that. Is it, is
1: Disney World open? I think I keep seeing that, that's so bizarre. Do they have a frozen there too
0: or is it only Disneyland? It's just us, yeah. Uh, But uh, they're at, you know, modified capacity. Everyone's in masks, same in Tokyo, same in Hong Kong, same in Shanghai, Paris but they will not allow a safe, similar reopening right. here. So we're all just waiting, you know, and it's, it's very sad. It's just yeah. very Heart sad. Heartbreaks for performers that are
1: on hold. And then as that time gets longer and longer, like, well, maybe you don't get to grieve that you didn't get to have a goodbye and maybe That's it comes right. back, but what a way to just kind of peter out without any I know.
0: We choice. all thought we
1: were going back. You know? how, how did the prom come into this? Because that must have been like a wonderful, uh, My, that was overlapping though, right? Because you knew that yeah. was pre-COVID. So that yeah, like, this the- was pre-COVID.
0: This was last, uh, I want to say last October, I think it was, maybe the end of September. Um, I signed with a new dance agent and uh, she sent me an email, which I didn't see right away. And uh, I went to a different audition, and they said, "Oh, are you going to go in for the prom?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And he told me, and we have the same agent, my dancer friend, and I. And I said, "I don't know about this." So I followed up. I saw the email, and I said, um, "Is it too late?" She said, "No, send your stuff in." So I had to do a quick little self tape, just singing a song, and um, and I know Casey Nicola, the choreographer. He he and I were in the best of the Horror House goes public. Oh my gosh, this is how this all is so together. Good right before, you know. <laughs> before he became a star choreographer, you know,
1: and the choreography style. on that show is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I was saying, like when that came out, it was like we're sitting here at home, but there's something of getting to watch a musical that's mm-hmm. not something I've watched 27 times already that was the timing of that was just felt perfect. Yeah. And the holidays and sparkle and just yeah. the over the top and yeah. It was like a gift. So the fact that you're in, it makes it even feel more like, instead of like, there's things that come out here and there. It's like, you kind of don't see them because there's too many other things right now. This feels like, oh, <laughs> and all my Facebook feed is, have you seen the prom? Make sure you watch the prom. So everybody's been talking about it. Yeah. It's, Cause it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's definitely got a little bit old and new all mixed together, yeah. which yeah. is wonderful. Oh. And the, the whole storyline is a little bit more bold than musicals would have been a while ago.
0: I know. I know. But um, for this particular thing, they wanted dancers in their fifties, fifties and sixties. Oh my gosh, that happened. And uh, so I got, I sent in my tape of the song. Uh, she said, here's your appointment, blah, blah, blah. It was like a week later, there was an appointment and I went in and it was, it was quite a large call. I mean, pretty much every older dancer was there. Every organ oh. dancer in LA was there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty are- hard call, uh, but I did book it and um, I, I I gave a great audition. So I, I had a feeling I was going to get it. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I, I, we started rehearsing immediately, like literally, I think it was like a week later I got the offer and then we went straight into rehearsals just days after that. And But we would only rehearse a day here and a day there in one week. And then we'd have like two weeks off. And then we'd do it a couple of days and then we'd do two weeks off. And then Merrill joined us and James Corden, they joined us later on. Uh, and then we'd have some, you know, rehearsal days and then another break. And then- You said there group, was
1: different groups, right? Like people were not all- yes. in the same. It wasn't the same dancers throughout.
0: No, right, so just our group, we were the only the opening number at Sardi's. And then in the other dance members, it was obviously the younger generation of dancers uh, whom I, I didn't really know any of them. Okay. I think I know one of a picture. Oh yeah?
1: Yeah, and that's fun, like you guys would not meet on set. Cause I, I um, talked to you, I found your Facebook, we set up the interview yeah. and then I watched it um, and I found you right away. I think <laughs> as I saw the picture and that's actually really hard. Cause I think I know a few other people I think are in it. I never found them, but I found you um, uh-huh. in the dance scene. Because I saw the picture of the dress, and then you're sitting right next to James Corden, uh, in that really emotional. What is it? I can't remember what's happening in
0: that. They're watching a performance. Oh, you mean when they get the news that they're that they got the horrible review? No, it's something that.
1: Where's what's the picture of you that you're like really intense? I think you're next sitting next to James Corden in a theater.
0: Oh no, that's with Meryl. That's with Meryl, we're in the dressing room afterwards, and the uh, the agent. Guy comes in and he goes, the first review, the first review is in. Oh, yes. And we are like, oh,
1: God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. It was, it's a great, so how was that? Because that that just feels like it would be such a fun shoot as long, you know, because you could have great shows and work with terrible people or like, yeah. it was you know, incredible. egos. It was, so
0: was incredible. That, well, Can I tell you, Meryl Streep is the complete opposite of a diva. She is so gracious and lovely and god love her she's 70 years old she was when we were shooting that oh 70- really because she dances and in this she was you. dancing she was a trooper man we were that whole dancing across the street we shot uh about last December and it was cold and we started shooting at midnight and we were dancing at 2 30 in the morning okay oh my god across the street and it was freezing cold and uh you know the ground was wet and She was a trooper, man, each and every take, God love her. Oh, that's so good to hear those stories. No complaining, she, I could tell even in rehearsals, she, no complaints, no attitude, no crap. She was just having so much fun being there and doing what she was doing. And she was just loving every minute of it. You could tell, I love her. Oh man. She's incredible.
1: How was it for really. you to watch it when you see the fine, you know, cause on stage you don't get to see your work. You no, don't get to see no. the final production. So what was that like to see, like, did you guys get to have an opening with being COVID or did you just have to watch no, it with everybody else on Netflix? Everyone
0: else. I mean, I was invited to um, a zoom, uh, what do they call it? An opening night party essentially with, with, uh, with all the stars. And, and um, Ryan Murphy was there and there was a moderator and it was, Kind of like everyone talking about their experience with, with doing the prom and and it was for SAG Film Society. No, sorry, SAG Foundation was sponsoring it, so you have to be a member of SAG to be able to view it. But uh, it, I did watch it, and it was it was wonderful. It really oh. was. and just so much joy in the making of this. You know, it was hard work too. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the rehearsals were super duper easy. Cause we would go in, normally we'd be called for the whole day, but we'd rehearse one hour and then they'd be like, okay, you're great. Bye. <laughs> and they'd bring in the next dance number and rehearse the next dance number. So, so why it, was it fifties and sixties? Why, what was the age choice it, for that? Because we were, we would have been patrons of the theater. Probably okay. Okay. Of the show that the show that was such the bomb. Okay. Meryl and James were in Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it makes me so happy that there was work for older dancers. And yeah, there's there's yeah. times like I don't want to see a 20 year old trying to look old, like have a oh, gracious, yeah. wonderful, well trained 50 50- or 60 year old get to do that job.
0: I am just so lucky I got to do that. I'm so, so, so lucky. Um, it was just a great experience. And there were only a handful of us that worked last December in the in the the theater scene and then crossing into Sardis, uh, uh, just dancing across the street, essentially. Did you know that they recreated Schubert Alley in a parking lot, abandoned parking lot, downtown LA? Really? recreated it. It's not the real thing because they couldn't shut down Schubert Alley for three consecutive nights to shoot it. Netflix said to Ryan Murphy, well, let's just build it.
1: (laughs) <laughs> this is a thing too. I think when you're looking at Netflix and, and how it's going to change uh, movies, like how th- th- there's you know not just ne- not necessarily whichever theaters or sorry um, production has the most money. Like it's going to open up different opportunities, and it just feels like m- however entertainment's changing as we're waiting for shows to open. I'm my heart is going out to the you know Moulin Rouge and Alito; these dancers still waiting to go on, but also that who knows how that's going to change, but also within film, the fact that you're in this business that can evolve and can still include people of different ages. Um, the fact that you're a triple threat, I'm sure doesn't hurt that you can still have a long career ahead of you, even though it doesn't look like what it was, but none of your career back in your twenties looks like what you're doing now anyway. So I think that that's the beauty of like, We've adapted and evolved and change and open to different things. Then whatever we think is next is never what happens anyway. That's so right. I think that that opens up where you could, you know, be doing something that no one now knows is even, you know, an option. Yeah. And so that's, that that adventurous spirit thinking. and yeah, there's a lot. I think you've got so much going for you that will your mm. career does it just it's, it's going to keep going. So we do need to end, and that's <laughs> always the hardest part of this. Um, when you look back at all this is there anything that you can see like a through line of like who you are now who you were then that you just that stayed consistent even though you've changed locations and and focus but is there anything that you've seen as yourself morphing that's always been that's a weird question I didn't know I was going to ask it I feel like
0: I have a lot of discipline and yeah that that comes from dancing being a dancer and I mean that's why you've got to teach your little girls how to dance because even if they don't become dancers, that discipline will serve them the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah, commitment to, if, you, if there's something you want to do, you figure out the, how to get there. You figure it yeah. out, you know?
1: This has been just so encouraging. Thank you so much for taking the time. Cause I know like we've tried to so say, like, well, I'm on this set of this. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, she's still working, which is amazing. And yeah. And I just love like all the, all the common friends that we have and the overlap that, yeah. uh, you know, every story is just so different and wonderful and each person is so unique. So you're a gem. So I'm just so Very glad to great. have this time and I will let you know when it comes out and we'll Thank definitely. Thank you tag Liz Larkin and anybody else Marianne Lam will let them hear okay. hear like part these parts of the story that they've you know made your life exciting and then how you've affected others. That's the beauty of this is how we all touch each other's careers and stories and life and it's a, a wonderful hodgepodge thank
0: you
1: well i'm excited i'm gonna f- keep following and so whatever you have next i'm gonna go watch um the prom again tonight though that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> later i'm gonna watch it and go oh, i can find her even faster now mm. thank you well merry christmas happy merry new christmas. year here's please. for another one for 2021 for new and wonderful yeah. adventures that please, we Lord, have
0: better year for please everyone.
1: please oh, <laughs> not a repeat you. just think of all the musicals that might come out of 2020 They'll i be... know right
0: that will be interesting home, Sitting, thinking the things through. Yeah. There's probably
1: a lot of things that are like in the rumination stage now that we'll see later and go, uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's what was going on.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so
1: much. Thank you so thank much. You thank you. much. I will talk to you another time. Another way. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.